We are back and uh, better than ever after a uh, couple of week hiatus of uh, things going on in the workplace. Um, but wherever you are and however you may be joining us, uh, we are tickled to death that you're here. Thank you for, for tuning in uh, as we have strived uh, to be to understand really Christians at work. Um, we haven't always had all the answers, but what we've strived to do is understand it, to talk through it, and to give you some ideas, some things to think about, um, some things to pray on, some things to meditate about as you try to do you the best job that you can in uh, having God with you in the workplace and, and, and doing things that we need to do in order to show our faith uh, to others. Joining me always on this uh, never-ending quest to try to be better uh, is my friend Michael Ray. Michael, how's everything in Somerset? Everything is beautiful, my friend. Uh, all, all is well. It's always, always new opportunities and new challenges. And uh, happy Thanksgiving, my friend. Absolutely. Happy Thanksgiving to you, too. Uh, so for those of you that remember from our last podcast, uh, we closed really talking about this idea of how do you not just instill culture, but how, how do you affect change? Uh, in, in the workplace. You know, we've been, um, just a quick recap, we've been all around the org chart uh, so far. So we've talked about what we do in leadership and how you handle difficult questions in the workplace. How do you um, deal with some difficult situations or, or what are things that you have to be mindful of in different places on the org chart? But that's kind of led to some leadership questions and leadership issues. And then, um, you know, kind of led to this idea of, you know, how do we, you know, I, I want to affect change. You know, I'm, I'm pretty happy about where I work, um, the people I work, but, you know, maybe the culture's not right or I just want it to be better. So, so how do I affect change? And as we left off um, last time, that idea was in, you know, can you do it from the top down? You know, can you just get together as, you know, the C-suite as leadership and say, here's the change that, that we want and that's the only way to do it? Or, is it more of a grassroots, you know, bootstrap movement? And depending on where you're at it on the org chart, how do you how do you fit in there? Um, so, Michael, let me let me throw it to you since uh, you know you're kind of the top down guy. Um, what how, how do you start if, if you're affecting change from the top down? So, if you know you want to affect culture change uh, in the workplace, uh, and you're in the C-suite. How do you how do you start that? What, what's what's your your first step? We're looking for you know nuts and bolts this morning. I would try to lay a little foundation of your question um, first, and and I think we probably you know made this clear, and you know, people who have suffered through some of our previous episodes, but <laughs> but the you know first of all, I, I really do believe the culture is critically important if you're if if you're trying to build a um, you know uh, a God fearing kind of organization. And obviously, and, and I just think in general, culture is, you know, the, it is so critical to try to achieving your goals as an organization. I, I, I'm, I'm probably really squishy on this. Uh, I, I'm, you know, I just think culture kicks strategies, but, and, and you can have a better strategy than, than um, business A can have a much better strategy than business B, but if business B has committed people that are willing to work their tail off, in, in pursuit of the same mutual goals are going to win. And so I, I just think, I think culture is, is critical. And, 
you know, if there, you know, if there has been a failure in, you know, this is easy to say from somebody who hasn't been in the fray, but if there has been a failure in corporate world is it's the, the, the value of, of hard, the valuing of hard numbers and, and, um, strategies over, over building impressive cultures. And we, we talked about a little bit last time how, why building cultures in, co- in corporate America is more difficult. And I, I appreciate that. Uh, but, but also think that that, that matters, that, that companies with great cultures, they, they, they make it. And it's a lot the same way that, you know, this is way oversimplified and probably overused, but I think it's also true that it's same with people as with organizations that, that character is destiny. And that organizations, first of all, people with character, um, over time that shows itself out and, and, and organizations with character um, show, that, show that in their culture and culture wins. So uh, that's, that's my <laughs> advertisement for, we're genuine here early, you know, when we say culture matters. Um, now, where does, where does culture come from? Um, I, I think that there's, there's a challenge when we, when we try to say, well, does, can you, can you enforce a culture from the top or can you have a revolutionary culture from the bottom? Both are limited. And if you, if you really want ideas that permeate the organization, it has to be held by both sides. Right. And, and, and I don't, I don't mean sides as in that they're pitted against one another. I just mean that, that the, 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 the grassroots ground floor production workers, they, they genuinely have to believe in the same things as, you know, as the C-suite, if the culture is really going to work. Now, to your point, how do you get there? Um, so I think you would agree that culture that is only preached from the C-suite and never makes it to the production floor is worthless, right? It's platitudes that, you know, never the customer never sees the value of because they're, they're never, they're never permeated through the organization. They're never seen the customer doesn't value them, all those kind of things. In the same way that values that are held on the production floor, but aren't held in the C-suite, they, they hit a dead end too. Um, because you, you know, you can have great um, morals and ethics and customer service on the production floor, but if the decisions that are made at the top are unethical and have, have completely different, then you've you have uh, undermined all the good in a lot of ways. So, man, that was way more than should have been said about that. But, <laughs> but, but it's got. But I, all that summarized. If you don't have both sides, then you really don't have culture. You you may have a culture in progress, but you really don't have a culture. So, now the actual question that you ask: What do you what do you do? What can you do from the top? And so, if I if I truly recognize that fact that it doesn't matter how great our platitudes are if, if they're not held by the um, throughout the organizational chart, then if I'm really going to affect culture, first of all, I, I think it's got to be explicit. You got to say, here, here are the things that, that we believe in. But secondly, I, I think there, there has to be some um, collaborative. Uh, it, it has to, it has to be held and there's going to be some buy-in from people throughout the organizational chart. It can't just be forced down from on high. Um, and this is more business than, than Bible right now, but I think we can 
turn it around. And so from a business perspective, I think you got to have buy-in. You got to have those conversations with, with people on the, uh, on the production floor from, from a, and how do we, how do we get Jesus and his principles into that? That that's, that I think has to do with is the, does the individual, you got to hold those things personally before you can, before you can exude them on the organization. And so Mike, if you hold those things personally, the kindness, goodness, self, you know, uh, respect for others, um, patience, loving kindness. If you have all those attributes, you can make a strong case to someone on the production floor that says, Hey, this is why these, these, why these attributes are best for our business. Our culture needs to be based on these things and get some buy-in on those things. Um, if you, if you don't have them personally, then it, then it doesn't, then it doesn't matter. And so the, I guess the, the long-winded answer to your question is, first of all, you better know yourself. And if you don't have them personally, it doesn't matter. If you do have them personally, you got to go actually have the conversation with people throughout the organization. Is this who we are? I try to have this attribute, but do we have this attribute? And if we don't, why not? Um, and, and is this something that we collectively think we can strive for? You know, if you, if you can get buy-in on that, and I think you can, then you've got something that everybody can really work for. All right, I'm done for a while. <laughs> uh, here's the thing. And, and, you know, as Michael said, maybe we, we do need to back up here a little bit on, on, on some of this. And when we talk about culture, that's every organization. I don't care where you're at. Um, and, and, and I would argue even within a local church, um, those are important. I mean, how you treat one another, how you interact, uh, what your, you know, reputation is amongst others, you know, all of that is, is very important. And I think sometimes, um, you know, when we work for a, you know, a good company or we go to a good church or whatever, um, culture may be one of the things that we forget to define as what, what makes it good. Um, and, and typically, you know, and, and my, you know, I guess in, in my view from, from my perspective anyway, that it's, it's good leaders that, that believe in things that lead to that direction. Um, but to Michael's point, it's also, it's, it's, it's good people that are there to follow. Um, you know, so it comes down to people. And when we talk about culture, it, it's vitally important. I think at how you do business, it's vitally important customer facing. And it's also vitally important as you bring talent in. And as we've talked about um, in, in previous lessons, episodes, however we want to call these things, um, that, you can have top performing talent that your culture may kill that person. Um, you know, not again, figuratively, not literally, but your culture may, may choke them out. And they could say, you know, uh, you know, if they're a scumbag, if they live in the unethical gray world and you've got a high ethics, high moral place, um, that person's going to move on um, because they can't, they don't like it. It's uncomfortable to them. And if you can't get them to, you know, kind of acquiesce, then, you know, then they're going to leave. But there is a, a, a huge value to someone wanting to come and work in an environment in a place where these things, um, you know, are not, not only are they on the wall um, and, and, and I'm, you know, everybody again that, that knows me, that's listening to this podcast, both of you um, know that, that I'm a cynic here and, and, and I'm out on the pithy sayings on the wall, right? If you found some posters at successories and you put them on the wall and you think that's culture, you don't understand culture. 
right? And, and I think there are certain companies from the C-suite that try to do that. They have these corporate initiatives where, you know, they have pithy sayings, but it's, there's nothing behind it. There's no actions. There's no, there's nothing behind that. So that's also, you know, it's just platitudes as Michael said. I mean, it's just, you know, it doesn't mean anything. So you got to have the people that, that, that are going to be able to follow through on the culture and you got to have the leadership. So I think it's, it's, it's a both end. It's not a top down or bottom up. I think it's a both end as, as we've kind of talked about here, but you know, let's say, let, let's go around a little bit, our org chart that we've, we've been so far. So, you know, Michael, let, let's take you out of the C-suite and you know, your production worker, Joe, uh, and you want your work environment to be better, Right. Um, maybe you can't affect the entire corporation's culture, but you just want your shift to be better. What do you do tonight to start making your shift better? Yeah, great question. And, and I think that, that hits on a very important topic, and that is understand that um, have, there, there's got to be, even if you want to change the world, you got to change your family first, right? Is that, that there's got to be stepping stones so yeah, I, I'm all about guy on the production floor changing the whole organization, but you better be able to change your coworker first and you better be able to affect your shift first. And, and maybe, you know, people with that kind of charisma and attitude and, and culture can get promoted and maybe eventually you can have that kind of impact. But, but first, you better be able to have that in, impact with your work team or, or your immediate shift. So, and so what do you do if you're the, the, the entry level on the, on the shop floor. And, and we've all been there. We've all been in that position. So practically, what do you do? Well, I would say the, and I'll start and then I'll turn it over. The first thing I would say is, and this is, you know, this is 100 level class here. This is no, nothing earth shattering. What about just be a, be a good person, right? That that was what Jesus would expect us to be, first of all. Because anything else that we say that we want to affect, any, any other studies or invitations that we want to put out there fall flat. We've said this many times, if we don't have the ground level. Um, so I was thinking about what, what verse or passage we could pick a bunch, what passage I would think about to describe that character of someone who can be salty in their workplace and have an influence. And one, for whatever reason, the one that hit me was Second Timothy chapter 2. It would, if you just think about it, if you had this person on the production floor, could they influence the shift? The Lord's servant. First of all, that's important. Who are you working for? We've talked about that right. before. The Lord's servant. The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness, that God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to knowledge of the truth, and may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil. So if, if, I, if there was someone... On, on the entry-level production floor shift, who was not quarrelsome, patient, kind, kind to everyone. Um, and and when, when someone did disagree with them, they corrected them with gentleness. Man, that, would that, wouldn't that be the kind of person that could have some influence? And so, you know, the base level is, um, you know, have a, little, have a little spirit in you, <laughs> have salt in yourselves, as Jesus would say. And, and um, you, you better start by having that with, with yourself and, and being, uh, having a spirit in you. Yeah, my, my only pushback there is I don't even think that's a hundred level. I think that's the remediary course. That, that's what you've got to pass to get into the course. Um, it, it's, first, it's a prereq. Yeah, it's a prereq. Go get you some salt first. 
um, if you want to influence others, you've got to get some salt yourself. And, and as we've talked about before, that that's spending time with Jesus. That's that's what makes you a better a better person. And then once you're there, once you have the prereq, um, you know, to me, the hundred level class is, is just that. Now act on that. You know, I don't I don't know how much more simpler to say it than you did, but you be a good dude. Just I mean, come in and, and be somebody that other people want to be around. And, and that doesn't mean you got to be charismatic. I, I think sometimes we get um, lost in these doldrum ideas where we think, you know, well, I've got to come in and, you know, be a gospel preacher for my shift. No, you don't. No, you don't. Uh, you, you don't have to come in and be a gospel preacher for your shift. You don't have to come in and quote a ton of Bible verses for your shift to, to help your coworkers be better. You know what the best thing you can do on your shift? Be likable show up do a good job help other people be compassionate all of what jesus says are the weightier matters of the law i mean it's those types of things that if you are just a solid person then and and here's the crazy thing about this this is the thing that that's absolutely absurd about what i'm saying what's crazy is is that's distinctive in the world that we live in like if you just show up and you're a good person and you're kind-hearted and you're helpful and you do your job as good as you can do your job, that stands out like a sore thumb. It shouldn't. It absolutely shouldn't. Uh, but it does. It, in the culture, in the world, in the environment that we live in today, that absolutely does. And people are going to wonder why you're different. Why aren't you just like the rest of us fussing? Yeah, and I would also say if you can keep that humility and gratitude when when things are not perfect they're not going to be and and so if you keep that that christ-like spirit when the when the tornado is spinning that is extremely distinctive and people notice that and so again you've you've hit the prerequisite if you have a noticeable uh if you have a noticeable salt you have a noticeable uh, spirit that's different about you um and and you know everybody's been on everybody's been on that entry-level position things don't always go perfect and when, when the hurricane is spinning, the people that still are smiling, that still are positive, that still are grateful. Um, that, so that, again, we, we probably oversold that, but that, that would be, that'd be where I'd start. So, what, so assuming you have that baseline, what's next? But let, let me throw one more thing in, in, in that, that I'm, that's as important or, or maybe more important. It's not just when things go bad, but when you mess up. Sure. Every, uh, you know, again, uh, maybe you've had a different work experience than I have, Michael, but I messed up a bunch of stuff with my first job. Um, I, messed, I messed up a bunch of stuff when I got this job um, because you don't know what you're doing in a specific role until you start doing that role and you're going to make mistakes. That's, that's, part of, that's just part of the course. You're going to make mistakes. So also, it's how do you handle when you make the mistake? Do you own it? Do you try to learn from it? Do you try to be better because that's also very distinctive people will look at you you know and and the natural inclination is you know to make excuses or to blame other people or deflect or whatever but when you own look guys i messed this up um i I think that's one of the best things you can do as as a boss as a supervisor is to go to your team and tell them it was your fault when something went bad guys this is on me uh you know i blew this I, i had the wrong whatever strategy idea and, you know, this one's on me, sitting on you. I'm, I'm going to take this back to senior management, and this is, I'm, this is me. Um, 
that, that brings teams together. That's, you know, when you own where you're at. So um, didn't want to go too far down that road, but I, I think you've got to own your own mistakes as, and keep a positive attitude to it as well as um, when things go bad in the company. So, so, so it shouldn't, shouldn't surprise us that that's a biblical principle. I mean, I mean, what is, what is confession? I mean, the, what the confession is, you know, definitionally, I think you go back to, to the root of that word. It just means, that you, you agree with, you know, there's, there's an agreement. That's the kind of the, the core principle confession is we agree with God that we've screwed up. If, if it is, is the realization and the acceptance that we screwed up as confession, it works just as well in the business setting as it does in the spiritual setting. Um, again, I'm not trying to conflate those two things. I understand the significance of, of that from a religious setting, but it shouldn't surprise us. That's a biblical principle. Yeah. It's, it's ownership. Uh, and, and I think probably one of the, most underrated talked about um, biblical characteristics is just that is ownership, you know, ownership of, of where you're at, ownership of what you're doing. Probably get something there. I'm going to shut that down. Um, but all right. So, so we, we've got there. We are at the baseline. All right. Now how, so I'm good. Let's say that. How, how do I affect change? How, how do I, how do I, how do I start making, you know, the people around me better? Well, to me that that's the next thing is, in your example, um, and, and again, another very strong biblical principle, we talk about um, First Peter, First Peter three, um, about women um, that, that being silent by their actions alone have won over uh, unbelieving husbands. Um, that our example is very, very powerful. And, and what happens is you start getting the questions of, you know, Michael, why doesn't this bother you? You know, uh, you're in here working hard and you know they don't pay us enough and you know that, you know, this is wrong and you know that that's wrong. Why, why do you still come in here and work hard and do a good job and keep smiling? You know, you should be cutting corners like the rest of us. You should be down on everybody like the rest of us. Um, that distinctiveness begins to stand out and, and you'll get opportunities that are doors that will open that'll say, why are you different? Because you're different than the rest of us and we got to figure out why. And so that opens the door to, to say, Hey, here's why I'm different. I don't work for our crummy ship supervisor. I don't, I don't even work for the middle manager. I don't work for the head of this department. I don't work for the head of this company. I work for God. Let me tell you about how that works. And that gives you openings and gives you opportunities and whether, and we, we've kind of had this debate before, in, in previous lessons about, you know, well, you can do things at a small company that you can't do at a big company. Well, this is something you can do at any company. I don't, I don't care what shift line you are. Somebody asks you why you're different. You can tell them why you're different. Now there's going to be a line that you can, that you can't cross. You probably can't, you know, have Bible studies on company property, but you can invite somebody to lunch. Um, you, you can ha have a conversation uh, off campus and, um, and, and you can't be forceful with it. You can just say, hey, here's how I do what I do. Um, if you'd like to come to a gospel meeting, if you'd like to come to a church service, if you'd like to come to an event we're having, um, you know, I'd, I'd love for you to come and see some other people that are like me, that this is how we strive to live. Let me show you our culture in another environment. Yeah, I, one thing that I think is implicit in that, but it probably ought to just be said is, you know, first of all, you got this salt in yourselves. If, if, if you're going to have an impact on the culture, you got to care about other people. And so, you know, the, the idea that you can be 
um, on the production floor. You put your headphones in, you put your head down, you just do your thing. You don't look at anybody else. You don't care about anybody else. I don't think that's the example of the person that we're talking about. You know, the person that the person that we're talking about does look around. They do care. They do listen. They do. They do catch that if somebody's struggling with something with the family or with the kids or with the marriage or, you know, that, that we, we, not that we're nosy. I'm not saying that we're, we're prying, but we care. And, and, and so if we care, we kind of find those opportunities um, that, that, that you're talking about. And um, to, to your point, especially, I mean, I think this is so poignant in, in the current world that we're living in. If you know somebody's going through that and you know, I don't know, take an example from this week, somebody's, somebody uh, depressed because they normally have a 30 person Thanksgiving and this year they're not, you know, that's happening. That's happening this week. And, and if you, somebody with their ears open is going to hear that conversation. And if you care about somebody you say, Hey, I know it's a hard week for you. I just want you to know I'm praying for you. That matters. And, and, and again, you got to care. You got to have your eyes open. You got to, you got to have enough fortitude in yourself to do that. But if, if you genuinely care about people, you can have those kind of conversations. And then you say, Hey, Hey, I know this is, I know it's a real difficult time. I, you know, you know, have a zoom call later, <laughs> you know, that happens. Mm-hmm. I, I, I tell you when, when, when the world fell apart in March and April, one of the things that kept me sane was the ability to be on zoom calls and have conversations and face-to-face interaction with my brethren that, that mattered, you know, it wasn't obviously we tried to worship virtually and all those things, but, but having real interaction, um, mattered. And, and so, uh, you know, it's perfectly okay to, to ask if, if, Hey, would you be up for an outside of work conversation? Whether that's just a, is there anything I can do for you? And maybe that's the best place to start anyway, uh, to, to people know that you care, but then to say, Hey, can I say a prayer for you? Or would you like to say a prayer with me? Um, uh, you know, you know, catch lunch off campus somewhere next week and have, a. I think all of have a, you know, read a psalm all of those all of those things um have an impact and they start they start to spread some salt just in the immediate uh, around you but but i think it does have to be person focused is that we can't just be uh to, to your point we can't just be out shouting i'm not gonna say we can't i'm not sure it's as effective we're just out we're just out shouting bible verses into the air like Johnny Appleseed just spreading stuff randomly. I want to be person focused. I want to, I want to talk to a person. And, and if we can soften a person up, then we've had some real impact. Yeah. And, and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, but I do not remember the passage in Acts uh, where you just yelled random biblical things out into the earth and that's how it worked like uh, to me when i go through the book of acts it was always person focused right it was you went to them you talked to them about where they were about what was going on you know it's like to me it's it's not a difficult prescription it's you know it's, it's it's always individual focused it's always caring about them it's always about where they are um and and I'm going to throw just a few more like quick ideas of stuff. You know, you've got somebody that's, that's maybe struggling in, in their marriage at work and they're talking about it. Uh, right. Or, or they kind of bring it up. You know, if, if you've got a good, you know, marriage book um, about helping stuff, there's nothing wrong with handing it to them. Like, Hey, you know, this helped me. I, I read this, we were going through a tough patch. 
um, this, this made a ton of sense to me. Or, you know, hey, uh, let me give you, I'm going to write down a website for you. You know, here's, here's several sermons that this guy did that, you know, was really helpful for us. Or here's a, you know, marriage workshop that was really helpful for us. Uh, I just want to give that to you. I'm, I'm thinking about you. I hope that works. We'll be praying for you. But here's something constructive for you to do to try to get better. And, and those are types of things that, you know, unfortunately in the workplace, and I've, I've seen this, I don't know if Michael's seen this, but you get somebody that's, you know, at work and they're complaining about their marriage. And, and there are other people that see that as an opportunity, maybe to pick that person up. Like, you know, maybe they're going to hit the free agent wire here shortly. And, you know, let me try to weasel my way in. Yeah, that's right. He's a scumbag at home. I'm not that bad. You know me, I'm here at work. You know, we can make this go instead of trying to help you protect your marriage. Right. And, and I think that's, that's different. Again, that's distinctive. It's not, you know, let's kind of weasel in here and see what I can get out of this, but how can I help you? Let, let me, let me kind of come around and help you. So I, I think giving people, you know, books, um, pamphlets, um, things to listen to podcasts to turn on all of that stuff, um, you know, can be a way. The other thing that that's important, and I know it's weird in the world we live in with COVID, but um, I'm going to beat my drum for this anyway, but I think this is why hospitality is important too. Um, that, that you have people over and in your house, uh, you know, it, I've met very few people that turned down a cookout, right? You know, Hey, uh, you know, Bob, we've been kind of talking back and forth at work about a few different things. I'm gonna have some people over on Saturday afternoon and we're going to grill some burgers. You want to come and, and have them be around other people, you know, have a couple of other couples over, you know, that are all Christians and let them see what, you know, this culture looks like. I'm not the only one that does that. I've got a whole circle of people that this is just what we do. And let them experience kind of being drawn out of the world and into a culture uh, or a, a very small size sample of the culture too, right? And so, it, again, in my mind, that's how it happens. It's, you know, you get Bob on board who works next to you, and then, you know, maybe you get two more, and then before you know it, you've got three or four, and then you've got your team or maybe your shift that even if, and I'm not saying you got a hundred percent conversion rate that all these people are coming to Jesus, but I think when they see you, that this is not just a, and I hate to say this, but this is not just an act. This is just who I really am. I'm really a good dude, no matter where, where we're at. Um, that builds that camaraderie that starts to build that culture. Even if, you know, spiritually you don't get there. Uh, I think you can at least culturally get there. I think the, you know, the, I've said this for the, from the pulpit for, you know, 15 years now, there's nobody that can argue with me that there is one thing biblically that we are commanded to do or told to stay away from that this doesn't make you better at every aspect of life. Doesn't matter what it is. Even if you don't want to get to the, I need to obey God phase, you can acquiesce that the principles make everybody better. So, I mean, we can get into the, the minutia of, what causes people to not want to obey the gospel, but there's no one that can argue that the principles aren't solid. Um, and so I think you can, you can kind of, you know, work it through that way. Two things. Um, as I think about what you said there, one is what, what you describe, whether it comes from the C-suite or whether it comes from the first part, you know, the, the lowest entry level position on the organizational chart, what you're describing is leadership and, and, and I think we probably do a disservice to that word if we think that it can only come from um, someone that's, quote, higher on the organizational chart. 
that, that leadership is just directing someone toward a common, toward a common purpose. Right. And so if, you know, did, did the, did the wife in first Peter three show leadership? I, I would propose that she did. Now, th- does that mean she had authority? No, it doesn't. But, but, but she led her husband to, uh, to, to God. So if, if we are, if, if we, wherever we are, whatever authority level we have, if we are leading someone down the right path or, or coaxing, uh, you know, helping someone down the right path, that's leadership. Uh, and, and so anyway, I, I would, I would say, let's, let's not separate that word from, from different levels of authority. You know, leadership happens everywhere. Secondly, as I thought about it, the only, the, the only time I can think about someone going around just shouting God's message into the air. The last time that actually worked was probably Jonah. And I don't want to, I don't want to go through what he went through. And so I, I, I was trying to think about, did that ever actually work? So maybe, maybe Jonah is our only example. Then you probably have to have some, uh, some uh, fish, um, what am I trying to say? Gastric juice stain uh, influence to, to, to get your point across in that instance. So I don't, I don't think also if you read chapter four, don't know that's the best example of the guy you want to emulate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not, well, yeah. Yeah. Well, that was the problem. He didn't, he didn't care about the people. He was just going to go shout the platitudes, you know, so he could check the box. And if that's, if that's what we're doing, that actually probably is a, a pretty good example of somebody doing it, you know, for the wrong reason, but um, you know, being a being a leader um, is available anywhere, and and to your point, once 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 you make those incremental changes, it's you know we we, we read Acts two and we want this. What we would love is is to convert you know three thousand people at a time. The reality is that that hearts change one at a time, and if you if you if you can change one, then you have a bigger sphere of influence. Um, and you, and then you can, then you can perhaps influence another that, that is, that's the way the gospel works. Um, and, and there's no, you know, I don't, shouldn't get squishy about the fact that that's the way the gospel works in the workplace too, is that it works, it works one heart, one employee at a time. And, uh, so, so anyway, I think that's the way the bottom up, um, is, is a can be a reality. Well, and one of the things that I love about um, about reading through the scriptures is it, it's not just the good stuff, right? They, they Acts doesn't just tell you the winners. Uh, the Apostle Paul struck out a bunch. <laughs> I mean, there were a bunch of times that he just you know didn't convert them, didn't change hearts. Actually, it went the other way. They you know got stoned. To, <laughs> yeah, tried to throw rocks at him until he stopped moving. Um, you know, stuff like that. So. It's not just the good. It's not as if, you know, the Apostle Paul went from town to town, converting towns at a time. Um, and I think sometimes we get frustrated when we don't have a 100% success rate. Um, but instead, you know, what we've got to understand is, you know, it's, it's you know, each one reach one, each one teach one. It, it, it's one at a time and not everybody's going to say yes. Um, and, and I think that's what shies some of us away of even trying. You know, if, if I can't have a 100% success rate, I'm not going to try. Well, um, you know, that, that's a problem. <laughs> you know, uh, there's, there's no salesperson that has hundred percent success rate and they pay guys a lot of money uh, to swing a bat that have a 25% success rate or a 30% success rate. Uh, you know, in baseball, if you're a 300 hitter, you're one of the best of all time. 
Now that means that every 10 times you get up, seven times you lose. Uh, I mean, it just it's phenomenal to me um, how sometimes we look at these numbers. Um, but we've got to understand that it's, it's, we can affect change and we can affect culture even if we don't, you know, ultimately win the soul. It can just be that people see a difference and want to start being better. Uh, that soul may come years down the road. We, we don't have any idea where that's going. That's also between them and God. It's not, not our problem. Our problem is, you know, how are we trying to affect change in them? Are we doing our part to be salt and light? Uh, and, and if we're doing that, then, then I'm, I'm convinced we'll, we'll change the, the culture of the people around us. Yeah, and, and, and you got to keep the time frame in mind too, is that, you know, God, God works on a different time schedule than we do. And, 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 you know, people are long-term projects. <laughs> I know I am. And so and that's my, that's my wife. And so, you know, consistently showing up with that same salt and that same attitude is, you know, it is easy to, to be discouraged when, when people are disparaging of the things that we, you know, might hold as important, but people are long-term projects. And if, if we genuinely care, we keep working, uh, you know, uh, God's word doesn't come back void. Um, and so there, 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 there will be, there will be fruit in that over time. Uh, but, but it may require a lot of patience and that's, that was, it was Galatians, Galatians say, says the farmer with patience has to bring forth that stuff. So, um, you know, that, I think that bringing that attitude as well. So you be a leader wherever you are. You got to care about people. You better have salt in yourself and you better be patient. Yeah. And that's the other thing I want to, you know, double down on here as we start to bring these ideas to a close today is that, you know, if you go and do this stuff tonight on your shift, things aren't going to be better tomorrow. I mean, maybe incrementally, but your whole company's not going to change because you had a good shift. Um, it, it's time of doing that, right? It's, 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 it's these ideas over and over and over again, day after day, week after week, month after month. That, that's how you affect change. And I think sometimes we get discouraged when, you know, hey, I went in, had a really good shift. I cared about people tonight. I gave them two or three hugs and, you know, we're still just as disgruntled as we were last night. Well, I mean, it's, it's, we, we've got to give ourselves a break here and have some expectations that are more in line that, you know, we're going to start this today, but it may be, you know, it, it may be six months, it may be 12 months, it may be two years before we fully, you know, saturate uh, the, the people that are around us. And that's okay. Um, you know, our number one goal is to do what we can do best every day and, and, and to let that, um, change effect on others and let God be the one that gives the increase. You know, I, I, I go back to this a lot when I get discouraged in this same vein is what, what Paul said was the methodology, right? I planted Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. You know, that's how he explains it to the church of Corinth is that, you know, so that tells me that, that you and I have two options here. We're either sowers or we're waterers. Um, we're not increasers, right? We're, we're, we're not, we're, we're not going to change a heart. Um, but we can sow seed in that heart or we can water the seed that's in that heart. And, and that's what we got to, we got to back up and say, what, well, what really am I supposed to do here? Um, and, and that's what we got to do to the best of our ability. And that's, what's going to change. Uh, I'm not convinced. I'm convinced it's not going to just change 
the culture around us. It's not just going to change our shift, but that's what changes the whole world. That's how we get to be a better community. That's how we get to be a better commonwealth. That's how we get to be a better country. That's how we get to be a better nation. That's how we get to be a better world. Um, but all of these start, you know, affecting the level of the people around us first. Yeah, Joseph had to work. He had to, had to spread some salt in prison for a lot of years, right? In, until he had an opportunity to spread his salt in other places. And so, you know, that, that goes to your patient's point. And I, and I think maybe that he is an example of that, is that his, his attitude and the way he treated people in prison ultimately got him an opportunity at a higher level of the organization, so to speak. And we know where he ended up. And, but it, it took a long time. And, and I'll and argue if, if anybody has the right to be disgruntled, it's that dude. Yeah. Like, give me your sob story against him. You know, if you're disgruntled, if you only knew how I grew up, really? Me? Yeah. And, All right, Joseph. <laughs> and what, what was it that had an impact? He cared about people and he had his attitude. Um, and so those, those things took, went from, prison to second in command of the greatest nation in the world at the time. Um, and so the, the, it matters. The incredible thing about uh, the story of Joseph, and I don't, I don't want to get, we're bumping up against the stop here, but I, I don't want to um, get, get too far down this rabbit trail, but he, you know, you're in prison, right? Joseph's in prison and they've, you know, kind of made him the leader of the prison and a guy walks into prison and he's like, why long face? You know, I, I mean, that's like, to me, that's, that's the epitome of affecting change, no matter where you're at, you know, why long face? Cause we're in prison, man. Like everybody should be sad and upset here. Like, what are you doing coming over here? Asking me why I'm sad. Like I'm in prison. Uh, that's why I'm sad. This is a sad place to be, but I think it's incredible about, you know, we can control our attitude and we can control our disposition regardless of our circumstances. And if there's not a better proof text than Joseph, I don't know what is. Yeah. Uh, maybe Job, because, um, you know, he, if you can keep your disposition, you can keep your mind focused, you can keep your mind right, I think you can get through anything. Paul um, and Silas in Philippian prison. Yeah, that's what that reminds me of. You know, same, same attitude. God's people in worse circumstances still spread joy. All right. I know we got a bounce, man. Enjoyed it. Absolutely. Thank you, sir. Thank you all for uh, tuning in with us. We'll uh, pick up with more thoughts um, next week. I hope everybody has a great Thanksgiving. Spend some time with your family. Um, even if not, all of them can come. Be thankful for what you have, um, especially in a crazy year like this. It's uh, always good to take a pause and, uh, and be thankful. I don't, I don't care what else is going on. But uh, we're thankful for you. Um, thankful for you, Michael, and the time we spend um, doing these things. Hopefully, uh, we're, we got others out there in the world that's getting some good out of this. But we'll uh, say goodbye for today, and uh, we'll pick up here in a week or so. Good, brother.